Hello, and welcome to Stonebridge Community Church's online service. I'm Pastor John, one of the pastors here at Stonebridge Community Church. And this week, we are concluding our brief sermon series on the book of Leviticus. We're moving into Deuteronomy next week, but we'll be looking at Leviticus 19 today. But I want to make sure everybody knows the changes that are coming up with our in-person services. And I want to invite you to our in-person services. Beginning on November 6th and 7th, we are going to be going to three in-person services. Saturday evenings at 5.30 is going to be an indoor service. And right now we are requiring that masks be worn in our indoor services. That is to protect those in our community who are vulnerable, who have weakened immune systems, those who could catch a breakthrough infection and have an adverse effect from that. So we are requiring that masks still be worn because we have vulnerable people in our community. But 5.30 Saturday indoor service. And then Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, we're going to be having another indoor service. And then at 10.30 on Sundays, we're going to be having a courtyard service. Just outside of our sanctuary, we're going to be setting up there. We are asking that if you can, you bring your own chair. But just know, for those of you who aren't able to bring a chair, we will have some there that you can use. But if you are able, please bring your own chair. If not, there will be some that we will provide for you. But come and join us in person if you are able and if you are ready. Church was meant to be done in community with actual human beings, not just abstractions of people on a screen. Or not just a disembodied voice through a podcast. We want our online services to be a supplement, not a replacement for actual church. So come and join us in person. Be with us. Be in community with us. We believe that we have protocols that are safe. And if you're not comfortable coming indoors, then join us Sunday at 1030 for our outdoor service. Your safety is still our priority. So come and join us. The way that the online service works is... We have this announcement. We're going to move right into the reading of the scripture. And then I'll preach the word to you. And then there'll be two songs to guide you in worship. So thank you for joining us. We're grateful that you're connected with us. And when you are ready and able, come and join us in person for worship. God bless you. And may this time of worship be a gift to you. This week, we're concluding our look in the book of Leviticus. We've only done three weeks, and those have been three, in my opinion, pretty brief weeks where we've just dabbled our toes into Leviticus. There's so much in this mysterious book, but while I'm sad to say goodbye to Leviticus, I'm excited about next week, we're looking at Deuteronomy, and I'm excited about where we are ending this sermon series. This weekend, we're looking at Leviticus 19, verses 17 and 18. These are part of a larger passage in the book of Leviticus, but we're going to be focusing in first on these verses. So I'm going to be reading from Leviticus 19, verses 17 through 18, and I invite you to hear the word of God. You shall not hate in your heart any one of your kin. You shall reprove your neighbor, or you will incur guilt yourself. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God and join with me in prayer. Lord, speak to us through your scriptures now. Through this commandment, these series of commandments in Leviticus 19, speak to us, your servants. 
Help us to hear your words and help us to follow you appropriately. We thank you, we praise you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're looking at Leviticus 19 this week. But I want to jump ahead real quick before we dive into that passage to Leviticus 25. In Leviticus 25, we get this commandment from God. It's called the Year of Jubilee. And what the Year of Jubilee gives us is this picture of what society is supposed to look like. It's a picture of how we're supposed to use our money, how we're supposed to relate to everybody else. Basically, in the Year of Jubilee, it's every 50th year. Seven sets of seven years comes to 49 years, and then in that 50th year, it's the Year of Jubilee. There's a big economic reset. Everybody gives their money back. Debts are canceled. Property is returned to original owners. People who are living in life as slaves, they they go back to their families. There's a big reset so that none of the relationships are permanent in the life of Israel. So that Israel can always go back to what God envisioned for it. It's this actually really idealistic view of how society is supposed to function. And it tells us this truth, that God cares about how society functions. God cares about how we as human beings interact with one another. God cares about how God's people treat one another and treat neighbors. And aliens is the word the Bible uses. And residents, sojourners, people traveling through. God cares about how society functions. And the year of Jubilee is a a picture of what it was supposed to look like for Israel. What Israel could look like if they were truly God's holy people. That's really what this whole section in Leviticus is about from chapter 20 to 26. It's all about holiness. Not holiness in the sense of moral perfection, but holiness in the sense of being a people set apart for God. I think there's a lot of Christians who, for good reason, care a great deal about society, who want society to look a certain way. And it's appropriate to care about what the civilization, the culture we live in looks like, how it functions, and how people are treating each other. That is appropriate. But what Leviticus 25 tells us, and more importantly what Leviticus 19 tells us, is that you can't just have that vision for society. Leviticus 19 is actually the one that gives us the pathway towards the year of Jubilee. Leviticus 19 is the one that gives instructions as to how to achieve the year of Jubilee, how to reach this almost utopian, idealistic vision of what society is supposed to look like. It's in Leviticus 19 that we get the core instructions of how to actually be God's holy people set apart to be a glimpse to the rest of the world of what God wants from humans. Now, let me explain why Leviticus 19 is connected to 25 and what's going on there. Leviticus, it's, it's a book that is almost like a code in some ways. And that's one of the things that I love about it. You have to kind of decipher it, looking at the structure and where words are placed. And one important thing for understanding Leviticus 20 through 
26 is understanding Leviticus 18, 19, and 20 and how those three chapters work together. One of the traits of Hebrew literature, and Leviticus was originally written in Hebrew, is that the climax or the thesis, the most important part of any sort of writing in Hebrew, it doesn't come at the beginning or the end. It comes at the middle. The middle is where the most important piece of a message in Hebrew writing would be in the ancient world. It's different than how we write things, how we structure things. In a thesis paper, you're supposed to have your uh, main point right there at the beginning, and then you prove that main point, and then you conclude it. And the middle is really just a supporting part, but the way that Leviticus works, and a lot of Hebrew literature works, is that in certain sections, the middle is the most important part. So, chapters 18, 19, and 20, they serve as this introduction into the rest of Leviticus. Chapters 20 through 26, they're all going to talk about holiness and, and how you behave and what the law looks like with people interacting with each other. 18, 19, and 20, they're the introduction to that, these three chapters. The reason we know that is they're a little bit different than the other chapters. 18 and 20, they kind of mirror each other. They have a lot of the similar commandments that they share. The structure is the same too. There's a lot of do not do this, do not do this, do not do this, do not do this, do not do this. It's a lot of negative commands there. But then there in the middle, chapter 19, you start getting more positive commands. Do this. There's still some negative in there, but there's a preponderance of do this, do this, do this. What you also get is the constant refrain of, I am the Lord. The number of instances in chapter 19 of that phrase, I am the Lord, it jumps up. This is all a signal that there, that middle chapter between 18 and 20, chapter 19, that's the central chapter. This is actually the, the summary of the law. This is an introduction to the law. The, the holiness code that is going to follow there, that summarizes it so that we can interpret it and figure out what the core value is. Now, if this was all true, and I think it is true, what you would then find is towards the middle of chapter 19 would be the real summary of the law. There at chapter 19, at the center, around the center, and it would be a little bit different in English than in Hebrew, but you would find the real summary of the law. Well, guess what is there at the center of chapter 19? There at the center of Leviticus 19 is the passage that I read to start this that ends with, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Where it's placed in these chapters and its placement in the book of Leviticus, coming out of the Day of Atonement, moving into what's called the Holiness Code, which is 20 to 26, 18, 19, and 20, middle chapter is the most important one. The middle of the middle chapter is the thesis statement, love your neighbor as yourself. It's right there in that placement. Leviticus is helping us understand that if you care about society, if you care about how human beings interact, all of these instructions, all of these laws about how we're supposed to interact with different people, they can all be summarized with love your neighbor as yourself.
That really is the summary of the law. As I say this though, I have feelings of lament. I have feelings of sadness because I think that we have lost this. Now, I'm not talking about individual Christians. I'm talking about Christian culture in the United States. I think we have lost the centrality of love your neighbor as yourself. And it makes perfect sense that we would. We all constantly have all sorts of different messages that are intruding upon our lives, that are telling us not to love our neighbors, but they're telling us to hate our opponents, to hate our enemies, to look at those people that disagree with us, even if it's about important things, to look at them and to disdain them, to dislike them. We've lost the centrality of love your neighbor as yourself. There's a lot of Christians who care about society, who have a picture of how it's supposed to look, of what it is supposed to look like, who believe that they are acting on God's commands, that they're reflecting God's will. But in the way that they communicate what they're passionate about, in the way that they communicate what they think society should look like, they have forgotten to love their neighbors. Let me actually say, we have forgotten to love our neighbors. We have forgotten that that is the summary of the law. And instead of being formed by the biblical command to love our neighbor as ourself, we're formed by the news media that we watch, by the political parties that we ascribe to. Our allegiance is oftentimes more to our politics than it is to loving our neighbor as ourself. But that vision of society, that vision of how human beings are supposed to interact, of how society is supposed to look, you don't get there unless you understand that loving your neighbor as yourself is the basic, most fundamental, central command that scripture teaches us. If you lose sight of loving your neighbor as yourself, you will never achieve that picture of society. You'll never even have a chance to. That's what Leviticus is teaching us here with its placement of love your neighbor as yourself as the introduction to the law, as the introduction to the holiness code, as the summary of the law. You may be familiar in the Gospel of Mark, as I'm talking about the summary of the law, excuse me, in the Gospel of Luke, as I'm talking about the summary of the law, you may remember that the parable of the Good Samaritan, it arises because of the question of what is the summary of the law? Jesus asked that question of a lawyer, and the lawyer says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is likely why love your neighbor as yourself is the summary that Jesus is talking about. That's what Jesus is pointing us to. That's what Jesus affirms as a summary of the law. That comes from Leviticus here. But we lose sight of it. And what you also see a lot of times too is people asking that question still, who exactly is my neighbor? We try to redefine the concept of neighbor so that it's the people that we agree with or it's the people that we're most comfortable with. 
But Jesus has answered that question for us, who is my neighbor? Jesus actually made it clear who our neighbor is. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus answers the question with the Samaritan who actually shows mercy. That is actually what, who is a neighbor. Even though a Samaritan was supposed to be an enemy, that's a neighbor, is somebody who shows mercy. But Jesus gets even more explicit in the Gospel of Matthew. If you want to try to wiggle your way out of what Jesus is commanding us, the way Jesus is taking the summary of the law and applying it, you just can't do that when you get to Matthew. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus makes it very, very clear. Loving our neighbor and our enemy and praying for those who persecute us, that is what Christians are to do. We can't have a Christian society that has all the correct laws and all of the correct slogans if we've forgotten the truth of loving our neighbor as ourself. If we've forgotten the truth of loving our enemies as ourself, the way Jesus interprets it. If we set all of that aside, we miss the point of what God is trying to do. Of what God has commanded us to do. The whole point of the ethical teaching in Leviticus that Jesus then lifts up is to love your neighbor as yourself and Jesus has a very broad definition of who our neighbor is. That is the law. That's what we are to do. In Leviticus 19, I mentioned that there's that preponderance of I am the Lord. Right around that love your neighbor as yourself, God says over and over again, I am the Lord, I am the Lord, I am the Lord. God also says, for I am holy. It, it picks up there. I am the Lord. If you're not loving your neighbor as yourself, is the God of the Bible then truly your Lord? If you're not actually trying to love your neighbor as yourself, is the God of the Bible truly your Lord? That's the question that Leviticus ultimately confronts us with. That's the question that Jesus ultimately confronts us with. There are a lot of lords out there that might be trying to pull your attention, that might be trying to make you hate your enemy, that might be trying to make you hate your neighbor, that might be trying to get you to throw this teaching, this commandment, out of the window entirely. Who is your Lord? The answer to that question is the way you treat your neighbors and the way you treat your enemies. This is the most basic commandment. And the grace here is that the moment we embrace love of neighbor, love of enemy, the moment that we embrace praying for those who persecute us, is the moment that we are truly freed to be the people of God. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a good enough summary of the law for Jesus. It's a good enough summary of the law for Leviticus. And it should be good enough for each and every one of us also. So may we follow our Lord. And may we not become so distracted with a picture of society 
that we lose sight of the person in front of us that God is calling us to love, whether they be our neighbor, our enemy, or anyone else. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.
things have passed away Your love has stayed the same Your constant grace remains the cornerstone Things that we thought were again as you cause your sun to shine in darkest night for all that you've done we will pour out our love this will be our anthem song Jesus we
love your neighbor as yourself. That is the summary of the law. And Jesus expands that definition of neighbor in case we want to try to redefine it to just the people we're comfortable with to include our enemies also. So may you go from here loving your neighbor as yourself. May you go loving your enemy as yourself. May you go praying for those who persecute you. And may you go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and love of the Father. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace. Amen.